Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everybody, hi, this is David Chavez. This is Strategy Sherpa Show, and we have a great guest for you today. I'll introduce Dan in just a few minutes, but uh, I just wanted to go over a few things with you. So uh, Warren's gonna be a bu busy little beaver at our um, at our office. He's uh, He's got a uh, webinar here this Tuesday that he's doing on uh, the seven ways your football knowledge can increase your business success, and he's tying football into business which is one of the things he loves to do. So um, go and learn a few things from Warren about how football can increase your uh, business success. And that's on Tuesday from one to two central time. And then we have uh, Warren's gonna be with me in Dallas, Texas doing a scaling up workshop on December the 6th. And, um, the, and we're very excited about that. We have quite a few attendees coming to that. So if you're interested in that, we only have a few tickets left because we're sort of limited on the number of sizes that we, a size of uh, room we have. So if you're interested in that, you better get on uh, our website, assuredstrategy.com events and take a look at that and register for that. And then on the 14th of December, we're gonna talk a little bit about processes. Preston, our process guy, He's going to do, but the process says I have to do what? Um, so uh, that's going to be a sort of good uh, a workshop about processes and how to get processes put into your company correctly. And so uh, those are the events that we have the remainder of the year. We'll have quite a few this next year. But um, I want to introduce Dan to you, and I don't want to waste a lot of time because Dan is an interesting guy all the way around. So I got to spend a little bit of time this last week with Dan and quite the business leader, I would tell you, and quite the person, just a great person all, overall. And um, Dan, why don't you, uh, Dan Gall, this uh, with uh, Digital um, Trends, and it is a online, is it just online or do you guys print too? No, it's just online, yeah. Okay, just online. They do a digital... Um, a magazine on 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 the tech industry, and I'll let him explain that a little bit more. So, Dan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you? Like, start off from back. Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Things like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm Dan Gall. Thanks for those kind words, David. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun with you this past week as well. Um, I was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, you know. Um, I always had a fascination for computers. I, uh, my parents uh, didn't have a TV in the house, so we grew up reading books. And uh, when the Atari came out back in the day, me and my brother really You're wanted to be You're dating yourself. To... You're dating I yourself. <laughs> I know. We, we used to go to, like, JCPenney's and go play it, and uh, we really wanted to get a gaming system. So, uh, you know, we mowed lawns and did whatever we could to earn money to buy our, our, our family's first TV, and in and, and, and television uh, gaming system at the time. That's super, super dating myself. But that led me to where I was at, uh, to where I am now. So that passion for gaming and technologies, I started, um, I bought our first computer, again, mowing lawns and, and just hustling. Uh, and I bought a uh, Commodore uh, 120 
uh, <laughs> and started teaching myself programming. So I taught myself programming. I created uh, my own bulletin board system, um, started trading games back then, uh, went to computer camp in sixth grade, was a total geek. Um, and then as, uh, you know, junior high kind of, started coming through I, I started skateboarding and i skateboarded for i don't know like 15 20 years so my my interest waned uh from computers but when i got back into when i got into college it, it came back full force that's when the internet was really starting to kind of pop even though technically i was on the internet back in the day and dial up and uh, working in the computer labs at the university of washington um Again, teaching myself programming, web programming, JavaScript, uh, uh, Perl, uh, et cetera, and paying my own way through university. Um, I realized after four years that I wanted to go into computer science. My, my degree was mathematics. I was missing some uh, core classes to get into computer science. So I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to have to keep going to school. I need to go back and actually maybe get a full-time job over summer uh, to save up to, 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 to get my kind of fun chest going. And I ended up getting a job at Microsoft. So I was on the um, Microsoft um, NNTP team, which is on the Exchange Server Network News Transport Protocol uh, on their test team, uh, had an office full of Unix uh, computers and uh that was really where um i don't know i i i was super i was just in love with uh, everything on the internet and programming yeah so and so, uh so that's that my life. oh God, sorry about that go ahead i was just uh, that that was the beginning of the, that that kind of life right like uh figuring out what i could do uh interest in in how i can create all that so that 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 passion you had from back before the skateboarder days came back with a roar once you got into college and things had advanced quite a bit, right? So what? Oh, year, yeah. what, what year are we talking about? Like when you were in college? Um. So I graduated high school in 1992. So it was 92. I ended up at Microsoft at uh, in 1997. So so that's really when computers were just. Uh, computer on every desktop was the BHAG for Microsoft, right? It was uh, to get everybody using PCs. For sure. Yeah. And, and uh, Apples were huge back then too, but they were yeah. really expensive. Uh, and, and that actually like in, in um, at university at UW, when I first took my first computer science class, they were using Macs. Right. And then I was like, oh, but I got to go buy a Mac. Right. So I went and spent a ridiculous, I ended up having a, a student loan for like seven years to pay off this Mac, eight years after I, I left college. Um, the next like quarter, they switched to PCs because Microsoft sponsored the computer science department. I was like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> the most expensive computer you ever bought in your life. <laughs> it was. It was like $5,000 at the time, which would probably be like 15 nowadays. I don't know. Yeah, most definitely. All right, and so, so, um, but but you you've lived overseas. Tell us about some of that too, because you have a colorful past. Um, well, my son lives overseas now. We, um, so my wife is uh, from Laos. Uh, you know, went back there a long. A bunch. She grew up here though. You know, they escaped when she was three, um, and they moved to the, the U.S. Um, 
I travel a lot for work. You know, we, we had offices in New York, uh, Chicago, L.A., um, and, and my, uh, my, my youngest son right now is living in Japan uh, for college as well. Yeah, he's lucky. Yeah, but, but you've traveled all over Indonesia, haven't you? Not in Indonesia. No. Oh, I'm, I thought I'm I thought, confused. Okay, uh, uh, maybe then Laos mostly, right? Yeah, Laos. Uh, you know, Europe. I've got uh, on my wife's side. There's a lot of family in France, uh, etc. Yeah, I, you know, going to internet <laughs> world in New. York, uh, I'm sorry, in, in London. You know. Yeah, I just remember talking to you about so many different places that you you've been that that um, that it was. Uh, I was going, man, this guy's just been all over the world. So, which is true. So, yeah, all yeah. World. All right, yeah. and then your son actually goes to school right now, going to college in Japan, right? Correct. Yeah, we just moved yeah. him over there in September. He speaks several languages too, huh? Yep. Yeah. Uh, started learning Japanese when he was ten. Uh, you know, uh, taught himself some Korean. Um, um you know dutch uh etc and my my oldest as well you know his uh his plan was to study in in japan as well he's got a degree in international business and he was doing a minor in japanese and uh, unfortunately that was during covid and and japan shut down so um he had he ended up having to go to ireland to finish out his degree uh and um that was unfortunate for him but uh i think he ended up pretty happy being in in ireland and being able to travel across europe yeah. Um, so, so tell tell us a little bit about your company that you're in now, and how how you came to be a part of that. Yeah. So my business partner and I uh, met in 2000 at a mutual friend's wedding in the line to get uh, food. Uh, there was a merchandiser for Office Depot between us, and uh, this guy had a mobile phone that wasn't on the market yet. And my my business partner also is a complete technology nerd. I uh, grew up in a family that was, uh, his father was a, a principal engineer at many, many companies. And uh, he was like, where did you get that phone at? I've never seen that phone. And, and he was like, well, you know, companies send it to me uh, to test before we decide to put it on the shelves to sell. And he goes, man, I would love to get my hands on stuff like that. If I could only, uh, you know, get them for free and had a website. And I leaned over and I was like, hey, I'll bid the website if, if you get the stuff in. And uh, that's how we started. It's literally started as a hobby of just trying to get our hands on free stuff. And uh, couple, fast forward to 2004, 2005 was uh, when we started making money. Our first advertiser came. We were like, we can get paid for this. And I uh, had no idea how to no idea how to actually do it. So it was a lot of trial by fire, making tons of mistakes. And, and, and especially back then, uh, you know, it was a wild, wild west of the internet. And uh, any, anybody small was, uh, it was really hard for them to get off. It was dominated by large media companies. Yeah. Um, um, and what year was that roughly that you're, you're talking about right now? So we met in 2000. Um, we, we launched what the precursor to digital trends was called Design Technica, which was, super hard to understand what we did or even spell and uh, that was around 2004 and then in 2006 we launched digital trends uh and that's when we just took off right uh and by then people were like oh digital trends i've heard of you uh you know and then they had a better idea of what we did going to like the consumer electronic show or talking to uh, potential clients they could spell the name right and uh weren't confusing us with some type of like design firm yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, 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 um, I want everyone to know. Um, I, 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 um, Dan and his company uses scaling up. So you use scaling up for quite a while, and 
um, Vern Harnish came on our podcast probably a couple months ago, and um, he talked about uh, how important the name of the company really is, right? And so it sounds like you guys made a little bit of a mistake with the name at first. Yeah, we totally made a mistake with the name at first. And then um, my business partner thought of digital trends one night and was like, digital trends, we should change our name to digital trends. We were able to get the domain name for really cheap, which was unheard of as well at the time. It had an overnight impact, literally right. overnight impact. Even when we first changed, it was pretty recent. It was like in July. Uh, so july of 2006 we would go to consumer electronics show in january in 2007 and we're walking up the booth trying to you know get meetings find out who their marketing pr person is etc oh digital trends we've heard of you and like we're like don't think you have but awesome <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well 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 you know i i think i think a lot of business owners don't think about the importance of their actual name and how important it is to connect with what they're doing and Vern talked quite a bit about that and matter of fact he got a little passionate on the uh on the show with us because it was it was a mistake that cost him probably several years of time and i think that um you guys caught it early enough to where you uh, made a big difference and um as you said it had an immediate impact right for sure. sure. Yeah. Good choice on name. And what do you guys do exactly? Just give us a real reader, reader's digest. We got about a minute before the break. Yeah. So we're a collection of publications, actually. So Digital Trends is our largest one. Um, and Digital Trends, the whole goal is to help people navigate the technology sphere, right? Uh, technology can be very confusing, very intimidating. So we distill it down and help people make smart purchasing decisions, learn about technology, uh, learn about potential passions, et cetera. So like the whole goal is help people navigate that ever increasing uh, confusing world of tech. And then we have, uh, you know, basically verticals for the rest of like, if, if you love technology, what are the other rooms in your house? Do you like to travel? Do you like cars? Do you like clothing? Uh, you know, uh, so we try to cover all those verticals for our user. Okay. And, and so, so you have several magazines, uh, but the primary one is the digital trends that it's helping people learn about technology in a more simple way. Correct. Yep. Okay. Very good. Well, hey, Dan, uh, I appreciate you being here today. We'll look forward to continuing our conversation on right after this break. But um, And we'll learn about what, what you're doing. Um, this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. And we're here with Dan Gall. And we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez, and this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And let's just, um, at the Strategy Sherpa Show, one of the things we do is we talk to business leaders and, and mainly senior leaders about things they may have done not so well. And why we talk about these things is because uh, entrepreneurs out there, they often think that they're all alone and that they're making mistakes all alone. And when you read a lot of book, a lot of business books or you see a lot of podcasts out there, they're all about how great everybody is. And they don't talk about some of the challenges that we have getting to that greatness. And that's what we're really trying to do is talk about some of the challenges, not, not so we can rub, rub it in the people's nose. It's basically because so they can help you get through a challenge when you have it by some of the decisions that they made to get themselves out of it. And Dan, let's talk a little bit about your challenge because uh, you had one that probably per shook up your company quite a bit. Yeah, it did, and it's a, it's an interesting one because it's not necessarily it, uh, the learnings are, are very broad. They're not specific to like uh, I need to specifically just myself work on something. But um, you know, the issue, one of the huge issues that impacted us more recently was about two years ago, which sounds like a long time ago, but it's not uh, in terms of this, which is you know we got slapped down by Google. Um, Google releases algorithm updates, um, what used to be multiple times a year, and now they're just kind of continuous. But back then, kind of like multiple times a year, and you never know if you're going to get hit. It's always super nerve-wracking, and we got hit by one, and it was massive. Uh, it, we, our, our traffic uh, from Google, which is our primary traffic driver to uh, digitaltrends.com and the rest of our sites, um, went, went down by about half. Oh, my yeah. So, and it was within about 24 hours, you know, on our, on our organic, uh, I'm sorry, our analytics, you know, we're like, da, 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 wow. like it's just the cliff, uh, super fast. And they always happen at the worst time. I think I was, I think I might've been on my family trip to, uh, with my dad, uh, playing golf in Vegas, uh, when it happened. So when that happens, it's like, is this a long-term thing or is it they playing with something and it's going to bounce around, but no, it, it didn't, it didn't come back. So that was a, a you know, a huge fire draw. And when it, it happens, yeah, go ahead. Pretty, this is a pretty big problem in the tech industry, especially people who have a lot invested in Google, because I've, I've, I've heard about this with another company I worked with that was very, very search engine optimization um, um, dependent. And, 
all of a sudden Google changed the analytics and it took him probably six months to a year to even get it close to where his analytics were again. Right. So, so oh, what, yeah. what do they do? What, what is it that causes this to happen? Because I'm sure people that aren't sophisticated as you are in tech, this happens to them sometimes and they don't understand. Yeah. You, you normally, the Google doesn't tell you, right. Uh, they don't tell you why. Um, all they do is they publish guidelines around best practices. Um, but at the end of the day, the number one driver is user experience and customer experience uh, for the reader, right? Uh, and that is the number one driver. Now, uh, Google puts out updates uh, or algorithm change that might be specific. So they might do something that is specific for reviews. Like if you're writing reviews and they're trying to clean up uh, the, re the review results or uh, medical, right? If you have uh, people publishing medical advice where they shouldn't be. They're not a doctor, whatever, and they're ranking, they're gonna put out an algorithm update that kind of removes them or drops them down, et cetera. And then they have generalistic ones that are they're always constantly updating. For us, it was um, a, a total mystery because we pride ourselves in writing quality content and you know people that don't uh, or still content, et cetera, you know, they'll, they'll rise up and then they'll get smacked down by these algorithm updates. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, these types of, they don't happen often for us. Uh, it's pretty rare, but when they do, it's devastating. And it's literally that knee jerk, like that's the thing that, uh, the first start is don't have the knee jerk reaction because whatever you do, traffic's not coming back right away. But the, but the inclination is we need to fix right now. Like we need, and then you start doing a way too much, right? You, 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 you cast in that way too nine you, you, wide and you can end up hurting yourself even more. For us, it was uh, a mix of multiple things. Um, but the primary thing is a horrible user experience around, uh, you know, ads and ad type content. And, uh, you know, there's other things like page load or how fast the site loads, um, how many ads are on a page. One of the big ones for us was, um, uh, video loading on top of content that wasn't related to the content. It was, you know, we were trying to show, oh, like no. if you're on a, um, uh, a gaming uh, article, you might get a video that's related to computers, but it wasn't related to what that piece of content was, right? So we call that unrelated content. It throws, a, you know, an ad before it, a little pre-roll video. Well, Google sees that as an ad. It knows it's not related. So what you're doing is you're getting the top of the site, you know, an ad, navigation, ad, this video, which is an ad, and then the content doesn't start until after you've already scrolled down. So that's a horrible user experience. And admittedly so, right? Absolutely horrible. So we had to relook at how we're doing things and go, what got away from us was, um, we got complacent, right? We were following the dollar, like finding other ways to make money. Uh, I'm still thinking that our quality content would, you know, uh, keep us in good graces, but you know, uh, it didn't. And, and so we had to go back and, and really, really look at the site and what we were doing and, and pull the reins in. Yeah. So, so, um, you had talked about, you guys got a little complacent. I think this happens in companies as we, as we start to do a little bit better, things uh, start to quiet down a little bit as far as the noise with the employees and the growth and uh, things like that, because I know you guys grew pretty fast, right? I mean, you've, you've done fairly well with this company. Yeah, we, we grew really, really fast. 
you know, we have our normal peaks and valleys, but, you know, the peaks were always higher than the valleys. Um, so, yeah, and we were on growth trajectory. We were trying to grow. We were we were putting, reinvesting all of our money into growth. So, and that's where that complacency comes from, right? You're, you're looking at one side of uh, the business uh, on the growth side, but you're not looking at maintaining the healthy side of a great user experience and customer experience on the other side. So you, we sacrificed one for the other a little bit. And especially if you get away with it, right? Like that's the thing is, you know, if you do something that is not that great of a user experience, it's usually not one thing that kills you with Google. It's the death by a thousand cuts, right? Uh, unless you're really bad and you're nefarious and, and doing something really like really bad. But um, what we did was, was literally death of thought. So, oh, if we do this, like, let's try it and see what happens. Oh, nothing happens. Like, you know, you know, let's do this. And over time, all those things add up. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you guys did, because I, I, I think complacency is a problem, a problem in all companies. I think all of us get get need a little rest every once in a while. We take our foot off the gas a little bit and it makes us. Um, but it sounds like you guys got better from what happened. Um, you know, that that's probably the best thing that happens from some of these issues is we get a little bit better as a business about dealing with these problems. So, so let's walk through what did you do to get your um, SEO back up? Like, how did you resolve some of this issue? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, that complacency doesn't happen just from a, you know, on our side, uh, didn't happen just from a few things. It was complacency, miscommunication, uh, different teams doing different things internally and from, me uh, and leadership getting complacent too, taking our eye off of what was really important, which again is our is our readers, right? So, um, first it started with bringing in outside consultants, right? So, like we can look at it all day long. We're going to have arguments and opinions and different ideas internally. You're going to have the SEO team being really, really, really strict. Uh, and then other teams going, we don't want to do that. It's going to impact my business, et cetera. So, bringing in outside consultants. We brought in two um, experts in the field to take a look and, and give us overall, like, you know, see the, see the forest through the, you know, you can't see it through the trees. So get that elevated look. Then prioritizing it and going, which ones can we do now? Which ones uh, are more long-term? And then putting in real process, like, okay, uh, edit team, we're going to do uh, this process moving forward sales team, we're going to reduce these types of packages we're selling. We're not going to do X, Y, Z anymore. We're going to, you know, you have to end up simplifying things and, and, and following a better process and looking at how we were doing business uh, and being okay with, you know what, we're, we actually are going to make less revenue right now because we have to heal. We have to heal the site in Google mind. And once uh, traffic starts coming back, we'll actually make more money. Like building a better user experience means people will click uh, and read more content versus like coming to the site and then bouncing, right? Like, uh, oh, this is a crappy experience or maybe going down half a page and leaving. We want them to stay, right? Uh, we want them to have a great experience. And the longer they stay, you know, the, the revenue will, will increase at the end of the day. So, so in the end, so what you're saying is, is as you started to fix it, what you ended up doing is fixing the whole offering of digital trends. Yeah, and fixing the whole offering and actually um, 
ch- changing our mindset. We had to be self-reflective of what we were doing wrong and admit it. It's kind of like a hit to the ego or the pride and also how you're talking to customers and even leaders within the company of like, you know what, like, there's no blame or shame here. We just got complete. We got lazy. You know, we got greedy, you know, whatever that is that like um, we took our eye off the ball and we, we just got to bring things back in. You know, there was a lot of uh, self-reflections for myself as well. You know, like uh, uh, how communicating in a positive way that doesn't get people defensive. Right. Yeah. So, you're yeah. talking about people's goals and their livelihood, right? Like you're setting goals and now you got to dial them back. Yeah. Yeah. You have all these initiatives, you have all these plans for the year and everything changes in one moment. Um, and, uh, again, I had another client that this happened to, and it took him a year. He lost the year off of his plan, just trying to figure out and get things back up. But, you know, he said the same thing you did that ap- what, what it really did was it made him better actually. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a little grateful for it happening. He didn't enjoy the timing of it all. Like you being on vacation, he had a similar story. He was off doing something else and he wasn't anticipating that was going to be his issue right now. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah. I, it, you know, I, I always try to take a look at the positive light. Like I get beat up, the business gets beat up. Like, what is the learning opportunity out of this? Because if I always focus on a negative, I'm only going to project the negative, right? And instead, it's like, this really sucks. What is the opportunity here? And there's plenty of opportunity in it. Yeah, and then, and then uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say this, and then we'll take a break. But, um, you know, you got to own your own shit around this, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and it's not fun. I mean, because you have to – I loved how you said you had to have a few st- uh, conversations with yourself and – like get get centered of like, hey, I'm, I took my foot off the gas and caused a big issue for my company. Right? Yeah, I think the first knee-jerk reaction is to look for somebody else to blame. But at the end of the day, as a business owner and a leader, the blame falls on my shoulders, right? Like uh, everything starts with, with, with me, right? So yeah. I, I can't blame other people in, in that sense, especially something like this. Yeah. So this is a Strategy Sherpa show, everybody. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back uh, with Dan Gull from Digital Trends. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right, this is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And we're here with Dan Gall from Digital Trends. And we're talking a little bit about complacency and how it spanked Dan. Um, and, and there's no other way to say it, Dan. I, I always say, you know, like uh, I love the one example that you gave because I get I give this example sometimes when I'm speaking. You know, when I own my CPA firm, I spent about $100,000 hiring an ad agency to go get me some clients. And our goal was to get 100 new clients, right? And we end up with 96 new clients and, and uh, or 99 new clients, and we lost 96 while we were Ooh. getting the 99. And, and I think you said it beautifully. We were focused over here and not focused over here, and it cost us big time, right? It, what, what it actually did was we were focused on the new, getting all the new in, and then what we lost all the existing. And those of you who don't understand this, the cost to get a new client is tremendously higher than keeping a client happy, right? Yeah. So, so I called that a spanking, a $100,000 spanking. And the spankings work opposite for business owners. It's money flowing out of our pocket. <laughs> not into our pockets. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not the money we want flowing that direction, right? So Yeah, so it's um it's so much easier to keep a client happy than to get a new client, for sure. I mean, like for us, we're competing with so many larger brands on on content for us that uh, you know, every every person that we can get to the site is a huge win, you know? Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about how you got how, how when you started fixing the problem, you really focused in on the customer. Yeah. So um, again, I mentioned we we take pride in the quality of the content we create, you know, um, and that's always like the the forerunner of what we do. Like we are amazing at creating great content, but there's a second piece of that, which is delivery of that content. And, um, and so the website is the mechanism along with others, right? But, you know, it's a, a mechanism to deliver that content to people. Um, and, and that's where we really, you know, uh, well, that was part of the problem. Yeah, another problem was uh, it all comes back to revenue, right? Like, so we're like, how can we increase revenue? Um, how can we increase traffic? Uh, how, how can we increase uh, the, you know, what, how, what we charge, uh, et cetera. So, you know, over the years, we're like, oh, let's make the, let's move these videos up to the top of the content. Well, actually, what we should have done and what we did do is if this piece of content has a supplemental video, so if you're watching, you know, if it's a, a you know, Starfield game and we've created a video about playing Starfield, um, put that video on top, right? That's of interest to people. But if it's just a, a generic uh, topical video, we move it to the bottom now right. right it's and it's called and before we didn't have a title on it so this is a, a very specific example but it didn't have a title for the video saying related video 
It just was a video. So people assumed, and like Google, it would assume it's related. It's not. It's seen as an ad. Move it down. Um, and if people are interested in it, they can see, they can watch video uh, further down. So that is an example of uh, the delivery of the content. What is most important is what they're there for, right? right. If I'm there to read about Starfield, you put that in front of them, and if all the other stuff around it, you got to make it like it's available and they can see it, but it's not in their face. Um, the other thing was, um, you know, we have multiple types of content. We've got reviews, news, guides, how-tos, best-ofs, and deals. Uh, and we were pumping out a lot of deals. And uh, and then that was one of the things we had we, we didn't have perspective on. We didn't know what the ratio of, uh, was between deals and, and normal editorial content. And what started happening was Google was starting to see us as a deal site more than as a content site, or at least that's what signals were starting to point to. And we're like, we don't want, we do not want to be seen as a deal site. So that was another thing with, and all this was coming from like those uh, experts that, you know, we had hired consultants that we had hired that take a look at the site was like, what are we doing wrong? Where are the areas? Well, wow, you guys are creating a lot of deals content. You actually need to create the right ratio of that, uh, not having those deals be so, so, so many being published. Um, so it, it all comes down to, again, like customer, customer experience. Like if I want to go to any site, like I don't want to be bombarded with ads. I want to understand what I'm reading. Um, I don't want to be confused at any, in any point in time. I don't want the page to load because there's so many ads on it. Um, navigating all those ads, you know, those sites I'm talking about, you go to and it's like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> it's, they're everywhere. And if you're scrolling yeah, you're, it's just, it's really bad. So focus on the user. You can do less ads on the page. Uh, people are more likely to click through because they're learning and they're curious, making sure that your internal links for that, that content is pointing off to something else as well that is meaningful for uh, that content. So if I'm, again, like reading a piece of content on uh, Starfield, you know, as a generic piece of content about just saying what the game's about, you should have links in the content that say like, uh, you know, how to start a character on Starfield. What are the best weapons in Starfield? What are cool planets in Starfield? Here are, you know, some really cool scenes, you know, like everything, what we call is kind of like the, the ecosystem around that piece of content. Um, and then, you know, you can have deals around that, like, you know, maybe like a best PS5 controllers for Starfield or whatever that is. But again, you're not, uh, it should be related to that content. It should be meaningful and it shouldn't be too much. Right, right, right. And, and, and uh, I, I think that, and, and what is the, over out, the overall outcome from this issue for digital trends on a whole and you as a leader? So the outcome should be um, looking at the bigger picture of what do we want? Right. Like, and what we want at the basic sense is a successful business. And so what we don't want to do is be hurting the business. So you treat the business like a person, right? So uh, I'm not going to, you know, walk out the door and go punch somebody in the face. Right. So what I want to do is, is really be, um, uh, how do we get there? What are the best things? Are we too complicated? Are we trying to do too many things? Are we trying to grow too fast? Right. So, 
uh, taking your eye off of the core business. So one of the questions we had to ask ourselves is, what is our core business? How did we get away from it? What do we need to get back to it? And part of that process over those two years, and especially this past year, the 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 word I've been driving as part of my drumbeat is simplify, simplify, simplify. Like we are too complex. Every decision we make, we need to be thinking of, is this good for the business? Is this complex? Can multiple departments work on this or not, right? So if it requires one special expertise, one person in the business, no one else can do it, that's probably something that's probably too complex. What we want to do is be able to have simplified process, easy to follow, easy to remember, and easy to do with multiple people. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I love what you just said because it it sounds like, what you did, what a lot of people do as they're scaling their company. Um, entrepreneurs, we're great squirrel chasers, right? And we love to, we get, our attention gets deviated by the acorn on the other tree very easily. And oh, we yeah. end up gathering all those acorns and bringing them into our tree, our tree hole. And what we find is that there's no room for us anymore. And we got to clean out some of those acorns because they're costing us a lot of money and a lot of time, right? Oh, yeah. And not only that, like, um, well, at least in our scenario, like we always know about the silver object syndrome, right? Like, like you got, you know, CNET and uh, Hearst and all those guys, they have massive amounts of money and people to be able to try things. And we're like, oh, they're doing this. We should do this. And like shiny, shiny object syndrome, like, nope, we need to stop. But we say that, but we still fall back into like, hey, maybe we should do this, but we don't have the people to actually see it through successfully. So we, you know, we start something and then it gets enabled on the site and then it just kind of sits there and nobody owns it. And that's, those, that's like part of the simplification process. Take it out. Nobody owns it. We're taking it out. It's, it, it's not, it doesn't have a revenue goal. Take it off. Uh, does it fit within what we're looking for from a margin perspective and an effort perspective? Oh, so much work for so little margin. Take it out. Right. Like that's called for us complexity. Like, not enough people to really care about that. Not enough people to really grow it into what it should be, or maybe it was just a bad decision. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, um, so, 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 Dan, um, we're getting ready to close out this segment of the show, and I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Is there any last insights that you want to give anybody for for um, what you've learned around this? Yeah, look. Um, and, and this is kind of a plug for you, I would say, but we started doing scaling up um, probably about 15, 10, 15 years ago. And we would not be where we're at without uh, uh, following the scaling up process. And in fact, I'm a coach. I've, I've been a, a coach within the entrepreneurs organization for uh, smaller companies and, and helping them start the basics of some of the scaling up process. And me doing that with them has benefited me again right like so re going through some of these um forms and thinking about you know what is our our core value of the business and and setting like my own three goals and and things like that really helps kind of reinforce uh a, a better uh process and practice so yeah. to me that is that that's been critical for our business yeah, and, and and I love that you say that because I think that you know scaling up companies still make mistakes, right? We're not we're not different, but the way that we approach fixing the mistake may be a little bit different because of what we learn. And it sounds like you use some of that, like, hey, who's our core customer? 
What do we, what do they need from us? And let's get the garbage out of the way that they don't really need from us that, you know, that are all these wants that seem to accumulate over time, too many acorns in the tree. Right. And, um, and get all that stuff out. Yeah. And it's something for us that we had to, we, the reason I said 10 to 15 years was it wasn't like you learn it once and then you just go like it was continuous integration, continuous working on it where it starts becoming kind of like a, 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 like a back of the mind process, but it, it's good. You know, I, I've realized that it's good to uh, approach again. Uh, and, 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 you know, basically what I'm trying to say is we went from a very executive focused training of scaling up to moving it out to the whole company. We had our leaders, uh, middle management and other people uh, get trained on it. Uh, and that's start stepping back and relying more on them of doing it. Um, but it's always good to come back around and, and remind yourself, oh, you know what? Some of this stuff has just been, you know, second nature. Uh, and some of these things I, I need to think about again. Yeah. Well, hey, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on today and um, sharing a little bit of your success and some of the th things that have challenged you. Um, um, I know that's not going to define you. It's just a it's just a boulder in your journey. Um, so, so, uh, just knowing you and I really appreciate you coming on today. And, um, I met Dan, everybody at an EO, uh, next event, which is, um, a, a unique concept through EO entrepreneurs organization. So if you're uh, interested, check out entrepreneurs organization, but Dan, thank you for your time today. And this is the strategy Sherpa show, and we will be back after these messages. Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And we just got finished with Dan Gall, and he was talking a little bit 
about his SEO problem, but he crept into some other problems that he had had. And I want to talk about a few things with that, but I wanted to, to uh, show you because you've been hearing a little bit about our uh, one of our sponsor, Velato. And um, I wanted to show you something that they came up with. This is a, a private aviation company. And um, they came up with this really interesting app. Um, and it's called Fly Fly uh, Vaunt. And um, here, here it is right here, Fly Vaunt. And what they do is they list all of their empty legs on all of their, um, from all their airline across the United States and where the empty leg is going to. And this app costs uh, $1,000 to join. And for one year, you get to fly any of these empty legs for free. So um, I was down in Phoenix. I was at a board meeting with um, a bank uh, that, I, that I, I, I work with and I needed to get up to Vegas. And I just looked at the app that morning I had a regular flight already booked, but there was a, a flight at 3.30 leaving from Phoenix, um, actually Scottsdale Airport, heading to Vegas. And I was able to jump on that for free because I had paid the $1,000 for this app. So if you are really interested in in uh, private aviation experience and you've never gotten to fly, fly on a private jet, I actually got to fly on a Honda jet and it was really sort of cool. And I was the only one on the jet. So it, um, that jet would have just flew empty and I got to be on it. So great, great idea for your uh, business or if you just uh, are open to flying somewhere uh, that you've never been before, it's a really cool app. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that Dan said, because I think it coincides a lot with what we do for companies and how we help them. And one of the things I wanted to do is share my screen with you and show you, um, oh, I don't have sh screen sharing ability, huh? That's interesting. I thought I was the host on this thing, and um, I guess I can't share my screen, so I'm not going to share my screen. So um, I... Um, um, Ha, ha, we, we have this uh, core customer form and what he's talking about is who is your customer and what do you, they really need from you? I think oftentimes um, when we start a company, we um, want to do everything for our customer and what we end up doing is we keep on adding more and more and more to our plate which becomes harder for us to deliver on as an organization. We're basically spreading our resources out too thin. And so um, what ends up happening is, is that we end up um, losing focus of who our core customer is. And it was interesting because I was with a group of leaders last week with the EO event I was with um, Dan at. And uh, for one of the groups, I asked them, who is their core customer? And all of them in the group, as we went around the table, all of them gave me like an industry or a company or or type of company or things like that. But the core customer is not a company. It's an individual that works into that company that you sell your services to. And that individual has needs and wants. And are we meeting those needs of that core customer? That's the real issue that we're oftentimes we get lost in. 
We try to serve all the wants of the customer and we forget about the specific needs of the customer. And so what we, uh, uh, I guess I can share now, I've, I've been given permission by the um, sharing gods. So I'll, I'll share this um, tool that we have where we start to think about the customer a little in a little bit different way. So here's the, here's the details. Um, so we have the core customer, we have the description of the core customer, who is the individual at that company that you sell to, what are their personal characteristics, you know, a little bit about them and what, how they act and behave, their needs, not their wants. Um, I, and again, we can, uh, uh, customers will want you to death in the end. So you have to really focus in on delivering their needs. And then the wants, you can't ne necessarily ignore the other wants. You have to create solutions for them. And the easiest way for me to explain this when I'm speaking publicly is to look at Southwest Airlines and look at the meals, right? They don't serve meals. Their core, their core customer may want a meal, but doesn't need a meal. And so they don't offer meals. Now, what they've done, and if you look at their business model for years up to recently, if you went around a Southwest terminal at an, air, at an airport, you would see a lot of restaurants around there. And what they have is they satisfied the want of maybe you want a meal by providing you opportunities to get your food before you get on the airplane. And Southwest has been rather clear with this. So they're managing their customers' expectations or their wants by delivering it through their business model, restaurants close to their gates, so that the customer can satisfy the want while Southwest satisfies the need. I want to be home for my kids' soccer game. So if you think about that in that sense, it really starts to help you get clarity. If I'm going to satisfy every want, I'm going to I'm going to kill myself in mediocrity. And if I really focus on the needs, I'm really going to help my business quite a bit. And so um, we use this form: the insights of telling their story. How are they buying? What do we want them to feel, think, do? So the, if, if you're interested and you want to get our core customer details uh, sheet, just email info at Assured Strategy and request the core customer details sheet and we'll send it over to you. And you can start to think a little bit about your uh, customer and who, who, who it is that you're really trying to attract. Hey, I just wanted to remind you on Tuesday, Warren is doing uh, the, the uh, football and uh, seven things that you know about football that could apply to your business. That's at 1 p.m. Central time. And then in um, December, later in December on, on the 6th, we'll be doing a scaling up workshop in Dallas. It's very close to being sold out. We only have, I, I, if I remember, there was only three or four more tickets left. Um, we strongly encourage you to get on there and buy them soon. And we look forward to seeing you in Dallas. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about scaling up and how it applies to your company. And um, then later in the, in the month, I think the following Tuesday, we're going to have a, um, um, a, a webinar about processes. And that will be Preston, 
who, uh, Law, who will be doing that. And he is a new member to our team. But um, Preston and I go way back because we actually worked together. He worked for one of our clients that we, we helped sell their business after we helped them scale up. And um, here it is, probably six years after that transaction took place, Preston and I are working together. So it's really exciting having, having him here on the team and uh, adding to our team. So I wanted to go over one last thing that Dan said, a complacency. All of us end up in complacency at one time or another. We need to take, we take our foot off the gas. We don't do the, something we're supposed to. But how do we keep complacency out? Jim Collins talks about this in the Good to Great book of healthy skepticism. I always want to have healthy skepticism of what's going on in my company and um, I think he calls it healthy paranoia. Excuse me, I changed it to skepticism. But um, I always want to keep that. And so I'll leave that thought with you today. And um, I appreciate you coming and visiting us at Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez, where we talk about things we didn't do so well in our business and how what we did to overcome those things on this show. Thank you. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.